Looking at him like this, he seems even bigger, said Shizue. Oji-san replied, He's inflating. Recognize this quotes movie? Stay tuned to find out or check out the title of this episode of Talking Pictures Trivia. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends, and today's host, Tom, and with me is... KJ. Additionally, joining us as guests this week are... I'm Chris. I'm Pat. Thanks for joining us. Chris and Pat have joined us for numerous episodes, and we are glad for them to have met today on this episode. Chris and Pat conveniently like movies. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz, as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. In round one, each question is worth one point, and in round two, each question is worth two points. Then... Once the fierce competition is over, we follow it up with our famous movie rant, where anything goes. Today we are going to Japan in 2001 to visit the Katakoris in Tasake Mike's movie, The Happiness of the Katakores. Other big movies in Japan in 2001 include Mizaki's Spirited Away, Pokemon Forever, Battle Royale, and a Dorimon movie. KJ will be quizzing us today. KJ, what is the happiness of the Katakores all about? Listeners, you are in for a treat with this movie. Masayo Katakori decides to buy and fix up a bed-and-breakfast-style hotel way out in the middle of nowhere Japan, partly because he thinks it's a good investment, but mostly because he wants to keep his family together, kind of under one roof, like working and, you know, together. Um, but the Katakoris struggle to attract guests, but finally they get one who promptly kills himself that first night he stays there. Not wanting the bad press, the Katakoris decide to bury the body, and the rest of the movie keeps to this pattern with various deaths and some sing-along songs between the deaths. Tom, if you only had one word to describe this movie, what would it be? Bouncy. Chris? I went with claymation. What about you, Pat? Whack-a-doodle! <laughs> My word would be Rustic. It's time for question one. Who in the family gives the opening and closing narration? Or if Tom was asking this question, who frames this movie? Locked in. Locked in. Oh, wow. Everybody confidence there. Uh, Pat, what do you have? I mean, the problem is I don't remember her name, but it's the little girl. It's the, the, the little girl. Great. And Chris? I, too, don't know her name, but it seems to be from the perspective of the little girl. And Tom? It's the, yeah, the great-granddaughter of the little girl. I'm, I hope I don't risk points if I say Yuri. Is that her name? That is her name. Points yeah. for everybody. Yes. Um, I thought it was a little strange that it was framed from her. That's kind of her only role in this movie. And then the rest of the family, I are they interesting enough to carry the movie? Are, does it work? I well, I think the point is that it's like a little girl's perspective, right? Which sort of, it, it's a very sunny version of basically accidental death, or it's a very sunny version of death. Because even the last death of the movie is the great grandfather who just sort of ascends into the air, and everybody yells, <laughs> "Yay!" 
<laughs> like, like if you if you want to put like a child's face on death, that's the way to do it, right? Um, and in the Korean version, it's interesting. The the kind of narrator, it's not done with a voice, but it's done with a shot, is a teenager. And the Korean version is much more cynical and bitter. And so it kind of it kind of tracks the original. Oh, I didn't I didn't realize they were that specifically um parodying the original movie. I I, I mean, I don't know if beat. that's what their intentions are, but in the Korean movie, it opens with like the teenager being bored and like looking bored, and it ends with a weird shot. It's just a random shot of the teenager looking at the camera. And it's just kind of like this is a very cynical girl, and this movie is much, much more cynical than its Japanese remake. Because I was actually thinking that, because I always, like, whenever I see that sort of odd thing in a, in a movie, I try to think, well, what, what if that character weren't there? Like, what is this character actually providing? And what if they aren't there? And I didn't obviously know, because I haven't seen the other, um, the other movie. But my, my immediate reaction was, if you don't have her there, this is just a much darker movie. Like, I just, I, th I think it would be sort of depressing, like, just watching all of these people just kind of bicker at one another and just you know literally the burying thing and yeah there's this sort of comic undertone but if you don't have her there i don't think it works like i think all of the rest of their sort of antics and the musical aspects and the comedy of it if you don't have her i feel like it would be very flat it wouldn't be it would just have the wrong tone to it i think i think she explains why there are musical numbers and why there is claymation i, I feel like this movie is about her learning about death the very first time you see her is her burying her goldfish, which is probably the first thing that she has a has a relationship with that dies. And then she promptly asks at the dinner table about the deer head. And then we're seeing all this, we're seeing death through child's eyes. When we see the claymation stuff, I think we're seeing death through child's eyes when she's trying to protect herself by making everything a musical. I don't think the musicals actually happened in the plot of the movie i think the musicals are all in her head as a defense mechanism for like oh my god all this crazy stuff is happening and how am i going to deal with this as a, as a young child i'm going to make it fanciful and we're going to dance around and mommy and daddy and grandpa are all going to be happy and we're going to kind of bury these bodies and it's i think she's learning how to cope and at the very end when she finally realizes that grandpop dies probably a more important person in her life than the goldfish she's kind of learned how to cope a little better and she finds it as not the, the funnest thing in the world like she of course doesn't like it but she's also okay with it and i think that's symbolized by the yay at the end where she's like <laughs> she's okay with the the idea of the loved one passing the only thing i'll throw out is i i thought i thought it was working that way too almost like um i remember with the musical chicago i remember they said that basically the idea of that was like all the musical numbers are occurring in her head it was supposed to be the idea that none of them are actually occurring but they're all in roxy's head and i thought oh that's what this is supposed to be except when they get to which i do love which is richard's musical number where he's literally oh no wait she is <laughs> never mind i take that back she is there she's on the stairs oh never mind maybe it does what work. about what about what his the, second what, number out in the uh, woods. that one actually is in the woods too i was thinking it more because like literally they show the mom on the ground like writhing on the ground <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really, really funny <laughs> showing her just like dancing on the ground <laughs> and having the having richard walk up to her i thought it was very funny mm -hmm. but i thought but actually i forgot the girl is there in the background but you're right then there is the later one where he has his other musical number which doesn't work so it's mm -hmm. you can't and, and this might be, this is one of my criticisms of the movie is it does feel like he had a lot of ideas and didn't quite, 
quite know what to do with them. It just <laughs> wanted them all in one movie. And it feels like that might have been the original conceit was like, oh, all the musical numbers will be in your head. But I really want to have this other musical number here. <laughs> so we're just going to do that one and not. not yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff that that didn't land. Like there, there were good ideas there that probably weren't fully fleshed out because the movie was already almost two hours and it was kind of a mess, but and a fun mess. Yeah, and I wonder if there's a version of this script where she either witnesses the deaths or it was more present in the movie, and then they started kind of looking back and be like, "Wait a minute, we can't have a four-year-old witness all these things. Like that's that's not gonna make good film. People aren't gonna be able to." I have a feeling this movie wouldn't have those kind of scruples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's actually, I read a direct uh, interview with the director, and let's, can we say his name again? Michael? Michael? Sure, it's uh, Takashi Miike. Miike, Jesus Christ. I, I don't know why I can, but he... Oh, just say his name is Mike. It's okay. <laughs> Mike's okay. <laughs> but he said in an interview, he, he wanted this movie to be... Um, a kind of a reflection on this idea of death as not being a sad thing. He thinks death, really, like in movies, death is often or in life, death is the sad thing we we mourn. He's like, it shouldn't be. This movie's about it that that being something that we don't have to mourn. We could kind of celebrate and have fun with it, which I don't think quite works <laughs> since you know, like all these people die and kind of die anonymously. But um, I think that was his general viewpoint when approaching the material. At least he claims it was. How do we feel about the other members of the family? Right, we had the son who was a convicted guy. Right, we don't get the details on. <laughs> he might have robbed wallets. We know he got in trouble for. <laughs> being angry for losing his temper oh that's um, right there's that cut the to... short fuse yeah yep. mm-hmm. um where everybody's in a suit for some reason uh, <laughs> um and then we have the the wife mm-hmm. i yeah she was quite nondescript but <laughs> yeah I think, I think all the characters were framed as a way of this is a reason why the dad wanted them all to be in this rural area away from everything like we want to give you a reason to then like this is one of those things where I don't think that they really sold it very well but there's a reason why this guy moved his entire family out into the middle of the sticks Japan to open up this bed and breakfast that was doomed to fail because there was something that he was worried about his son there was something that he was worried about his daughter there was something he wanted to make sure that his, his father was there like he wanted everybody under one roof and I think all those little tidbits of story were to give you a reason why he would do it but I don't think it actually even landed all that well yeah, I will say the, the actor who plays the dad, um, I, I looked him up. His name is Kenji Sawada, was a famous 1960s kind of teen pop idol. And I I wonder if that changes how you view it. If it's like like this formerly famous guy or, or somewhat still famous guy is like, you know, taking his family into the woods somewhere. Um, but I don't know. I agree. Like a lot of the, like the family members were generally fairly nondescript. Yeah, and I think the uh, the grandfather might have been somebody too. His he was a James Bond. He was in a James oh. Bond movie. Yeah, um, Tetsura Tamba. He was like a James Bond character. I think he only lived twice, but but he was known. He was a famous actor. Oh, oh, oh! I thought you meant like he was a a James Bond in like in Japanese. No, film. no, 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 no. So like in, I'm, I'm in, picturing in a... Sean Connery showing up in a in a musical in this style and and we'd be like oh my gosh yes i want to go see sean connery 
mm-hmm. now as a you know no a he was of... a big crossover actor like he was in american movies and, and what have you great introduction to him in this movie right throw in the piece of wood <laughs> yeah. and... <laughs> i was gonna say he's up. actually one of the few i i did actually at least find him a bit a bit unique especially with like yeah the introduction and throwing the wood at that bird thing whatever no that reason is. whatever that is. Well, Yo, that's yeah, right. Because it's on it, which I love. It's like, this is this is the old man yells at clouds. Yeah. The, and he gets a, revenge. He gets the bird. He actually gets it. So yeah. I I appreciated him as a character, and I actually liked is I, I and I do appreciate. It, I don't know, maybe this will come up later, but I appreciate his quote unquote grand gesture. And he walks up with like to go get himself arrested. <laughs> 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 and he knows that I just out of looking at him like. I have no idea what this man is doing. <laughs> just walk right by him, which I love that even his attempt. And I think they even make a reference to the fact that he tried to kill himself during the war and he couldn't mm-hmm. do it then either. So this is going to be his grand gesture. And he fails again. Like, I actually thought he was by far the most unique of that family mm-hmm. because you probably, other than the, the daughter, also had some mm-hmm. unique characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, if you didn't have her with Richard, I don't think she would. If you didn't mm-hmm. have him, she would fall flat. So yep. I feel like that's part of the, the issue with her is that she would be fine. She would fail if she didn't have him. The son was fine. Again, I like his sort of like the failure. Again, his failed grand gesture at the end. But, it, you know, he's sort of fine. But I, I agree. A lot, of them, a lot of them have less interest than others. It's time for question two. How did Richard Sagawa die locked in locked in. locked in all right chris what do you have all right so we're led to believe that he dies when he falls in the ravine but he actually does come back and he's just talking on the phone in the in the the foyer of the hotel so i'm just going to say he he dies of like natural causes there in the foyer he doesn't really die from his fall and tom I was going to say he dies in the foyer or the lobby um, from injuries sustained from his fall into the, the river and the, in the, off the cliff. Pat? Yeah, I mean, he, he dies in the lobby. I wasn't 100% certain why. The, the, I actually thought he might have died even from just falling in the lobby. <laughs> that he lived through the ravine and i thought part of the joke was that he literally fell and like hits his head in the lobby and dies from that but i i wasn't 100 percent certain what exactly he died from in that point yeah points for everybody i think all the other deaths are pretty clear <laughs> but this one starts with him drinking the river and they're showing you all the other things that had died because they drank from the river mm-hmm. and then he has the fight with the grandpa which you're like oh maybe that you know the grandpa's probably he killed the crow. Maybe he's going to. And then he falls. So I, I really enjoyed the death of Richard Sagawa because we don't really know which of these things it could have been that uh, killed him. Is there a chance that he dies from sadness? Because oh. like he he calls, he, yeah. he gets on the phone and talks to a whole bunch of people who I'm assuming are other people that he's conned. Yeah, like, we, I don't, we don't know. Yeah. Who, we don't know who those people are. It's like a laundry list of names. Mm. Like, is he is he like repentful? For like what he did, is repentful even a word? I have no idea. But is, is he <laughs> is he like is he? Yeah, there we go. Repentant. That makes me sound more educated. <laughs> is he is he sad about what he's done with his life, and that's why he's kind of he had to he crawled out of the ravine <laughs> with his last gasps so that he could make a phone call that probably doesn't connect to anybody and say sorry to uh, 
I had a laundry list of people. He also dials one one nine, which I I don't know if that's a if that's a joke or if that's actually the the number in Japan. But yeah, so one one nine is nine one one in Japan. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. He's calling the police. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I, I was also uh, kind of amazed that there was this many Japanese women deceived by this guy's claim that he's the nephew of Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> I I found that even more entertaining was that this has worked so many times. So the best the best thing is the I am in the American Air Force, more specifically the British Air Force. <laughs> that was the the British the British that Royal Navy. Yes, that's, that's a great line. <laughs> the thing is, I thought about it. I'm like, you know that that can totally work in America too. Where if you just yeah. have somebody be like, oh yes, I'm in the Asian Air Force, more specifically the like Egyptian Air Force, and people will be like, yeah, that's oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. pretty special. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the deaths a little bit. I, I, right, they were they were fun. Right, I mean. The suicide, the the suicide wasn't that fun. But what was kind of fun about the suicide is when they find him, the son takes the key out, and then puts it back in. <laughs> I don't like the mother puts it back in. Yeah, yeah the mother puts it back. Yeah. In. Well, the sumo one is the funniest by far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, the sumo one is funny, but I thought that the soup one at the very beginning was the best one. That's what totally. Uh... That's what totally sold me on the whole movie. Honestly, within the first five minutes. We have this claymation character coming out of soup, ripping somebody's uvula out of their mouth. <laughs> How many movies have that in it? Tell me. You can you can answer me that question, and I'll go watch those too. I, I have not seen a lot of uvula ripping in my <laughs> in my <laughs> in my film watching career. Yeah. You clearly yeah. didn't see the sequel to Indiana Jones Temple of Doom then. Oh God, does that happen? No. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of yeah, Crystal Skull. I haven't Kali seen Crystal Ma. Skull. So. What? This is an art. Yeah, yeah. This is an art as a you. <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah, I, I, I thought the 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 sumo one was pretty funny. Um, I did. I think one of my favorite musical numbers was when all the bodies come back to life in a sort of pseudo thriller music video kind of way. Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of the music ones, but I think that and the uh, the karaoke musical numbers were the two ones that, that worked for me. Um, what about Richard flying? Richard flying around the room? Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> Richard... that, was, that was the best. <laughs> yeah. Richard doing anything was, was pretty great. Um, who's actually, apparently, that actor is a famous rock star in Japan. But yeah, they they were enjoyable. I, yeah, I, I, to watch as people die. Well, I'm trying to think of what, what was the other because yeah, his death was funny. I'm trying to think of what the other ones were. What was the suicide, and then the other two were the sumo wrestler and the woman he's girl he's sleeping with, who just gets buried under him. Um, though I have to say, my favorite burial was like the guy who was the fugitive who just falls in the hole. I'm like, all right, and they just start burying him. Why are you he's... burying him? <laughs> 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 Yeah, I guess you're right. There's only four guests only four deaths, deaths yeah. in, in this one. I think I'm getting a little confused. I think in The Quiet Family, it might be a little... It's like seven or eight. Yeah. There's and The Quiet Family, more. there's... Yeah, they, they also are like participants in it. They sort of... They become part of the like the schemes and whatnot, um, which doesn't, I don't think, works particularly well. But 
I have, I have two follow-ups. I don't know if this is maybe more from Movie Ramp, but so you can stop me if this is not good for here. A number one, why are they? Why is there garbage in a couple of the movie scenes? Like the movie scene with the the dancing zombies, <laughs> they're around a pile of garbage. In fact, the main characters are all on pallets and garbage and 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 barrels. And then number two, is there a chance that the fugitive is the person that actually killed the woman in the soup bowl? The woman in the soup bowl. So the woman oh, from I the very first scene. That. I didn't even mm-hmm. think about that. The yeah. woman from the very first scene dies in a hotel mysteriously with those four women, which that's another mm-hmm. thing to talk about. Uh, and then we find out that this guy is a fugitive for killing somebody at a small hotel oh. very oh. close. So is the fugitive responsible for the death of the person in the soup and the claymation thing? angel mm-hmm. is just some fanciful thing that could get me hooked into a movie <laughs> way of articulating that yeah I, I guess i mean it is like he sees the uvula as love right like that's why he rips it out of her um because it looks like a heart and also it's something he can eat <laughs> which uh so so possibly that's what led me to believe it because like when i i watched the claymation video at the very beginning like three or four times because i couldn't get enough of it <laughs> so i i saw that it was like a little heart and that's what he was chasing after and trying to devour and then when I finally ended up getting to the end of the movie, when I got enough fill of my claymation, that's when he talked about he loved her so much that he killed her. And that's why I kind of thought that maybe that death that we saw on screen was not what actually happened. Thankfully, claymation's not real. But at the same time, like, are we are we led to believe that the girl has made up this claymation story for why this person showed up at her house having killed somebody for love? That actually is a much better answer because i i and actually i do appreciate that now because one of my other criticisms of the movie was like where does that dude come from like that was just totally totally Mm. random and i'm like why is why is this guy here like like, there's no reason there's no mention of another murder he just shows up and they have this big dramatic scene that doesn't go anywhere Mm. so i did actually have a have an issue with that whole sequence and now it actually might actually makes sense it might actually tie it together with the rest of the movie that actually might yeah i like that a lot it's just another thing in this movie that didn't quite land but mm-hmm. you know maybe made sense in one version of the script but not this one but you guys are landing on all these questions we are tied at two <laughs> wow. <laughs> the transition. wow king of the transition here well done <laughs> audience we've been practicing this and uh yeah mm. so there it was um so uh, stay tuned for round two. Um, all the answers have already been given, so expect a lot more points. We'll see you after this quick break. Hello, and, and welcome, welcome back, back to B-Side. B-Side. To B-Side. To B-Side. Finally, it is B-Side. Today we're going to be talking about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We're going to be discussing the famous W.F. Murnau film from 1927, Sunrise. The Icelandic movie from 2015, Rams. Juzo Itami's 1985 picture, Tam Popo. And today I'm going to be talking about a good old film that we just covered, and this is 1984's Ghostbusters. Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side. Wherever you listen to Talking Pictures Trivia. And we're back. And Nick would say this is the pivotal point of the episode where we ask the guests a question. So guys, if you could write your own sequel to The Happiness of the Katakoris, what would it be? Chris? This is a a tough one because this movie has just 
it's just too bonkers to even come up with anything that's that seems funny actually so maybe maybe just to see what happens to the family now that things have sort of turned around like they've actually had a group of people come in and not die it's like what happens now like what what is is things have have things finally turned around or are we going to find out exactly why all this nonsense happened or can we get a movie about those four ladies that I'm sure we're going to talk about later in another question <laughs> or the movie rant? Because that's that's mindable material right there. So if we're doing the ends kind of working and they get bored, would it be called the sadness of the Katakoris? Would that be the title of the next Yeah, now they just have a regular job. Now they just have to do the day-to-day <laughs> the, of running a bed and breakfast. The ennui of the Katakoris. <laughs> How about you, Pat? Any ideas for a sequel? Uh, so as as you know, the best the thing you need for a sequel is the title, and it you know you have to have the title. And the problem is there's no easy way to get the word two in here. But the Japanese word for two is ni, so it's going to be the happiness of the katakorni. Is it going to be <laughs> the happiness of the katakonis? Yeah, exactly. And so that is how we're going to get the number two into our. <laughs> and so the sequel is going to be that it turns out everything Richard said was true. And it oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'd watch that. I'd watch that. Sure. And so, the, so the the British Secret Service is going to descend upon them, and they are going to have to fight off. And especially comical about this would be the fact that apparently the grandfather was in a James Bond movie, because now <laughs> the the actual British <laughs> Secret Service will will descend upon their bed and breakfast. And they will have to they will have to single handedly deal with with British assassins sent to actually kill them, and that that will be the sequel. I feel like Queen Elizabeth has to show up in the sequel. So who plays oh, Queen Elizabeth? Um, Helen Mirren. I'm pretty sure she's just yeah, yeah, that. That's... She's on contract. She's on, she's on contract. reprising her role. She's on contract for that. It's time for question three. Who? Is Richard Sagawa's aunt locked in? Locked in. Everybody. <laughs> Queen. Should, should we do this one at the same time? Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, it's like sing it. <laughs> <laughs> it is right, not. Everybody. It is not Queen Elizabeth. I guess you guys are going with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do we have different answers? Oh, okay. Chris, what do you have? I'm going Queen Elizabeth. Tom. I was gonna go Lizzie too. Also, <laughs> this Princess Die, wasn't it? Princess dies. No, he mm. mentions Princess died. No, that would be his cousin, her. right? Yeah, that's his cousin. His aunt is Queen Elizabeth. Cause I thought he was Queen uh, Elizabeth. He refers to her. I maybe I'm maybe we're wrong. I thought he referred to her as Aunt Elizabeth. Yeah, and Princess Di was would then be his cousin. His cousin. Or, but now I'm trying to remember who his. I thought he claimed he Father was like the, was. I thought he claimed he was a grandson of Queen Elizabeth. I thought he said his mother was Elizabeth's sister, but a half sister, yeah, and then Elizabeth's un- younger yeah, sister, unrecognized because it was only a half sister. Yeah, no, you're totally right. For some reason, I thought it would be. I couldn't remember exactly what the relationship was. I thought it was going to be Princess Di. So I, the scene where he talks about his aunt quite a bit was one of my favorite musical numbers this is the one where they're kind of in the forest but i think my favorite one is when they first start falling in love but i just (laughs) i wanted to recognize (laughs) the music because a lot of it like you say tom it it falls flat it's not a it's not a good musical you're not singing along but i don't know a lot of the numbers 
we're also kind of fun. I don't know. What do you guys think of the music? Well, Richard's love song is is fun. That, that after he throws the uh, the the paper airplane to her, and they do that you know little dance with the paper airplane. Um, he's just such a physically awkward guy that whenever he tries to dance it's just very endearing and his dance in the woods too where he just flies into the air for no reason wearing wearing track pants but still his fake naval jacket because <laughs> he, he realizes that's what that's what's selling it um it's, yeah that's wonderful and it's just him is more like i don't even remember the melodies of those songs i just remember him speaking of the track pants i'd like to think that he had a mess in his pants because he drank the, the dirty water and that's why he had to change out of the white pants i thought that's, that was the idea that's what i had in my head i don't know if that's true it's kind of disgusting and lowbrow but that's what i went with i, I again i don't think this movie has a problem with that <laughs> <laughs> but you hear him like crapping himself and you know so yeah that makes sense because the water is also where all the dead animals are like when you see that pond it's just a bunch of shots of dead animals around it yeah, they're prepping you to think he's going to to die from mm -hmm. from the water, from whatever killed those animals in the the gasoline tank, or, or they're just they... making a poop joke, which also like well, <laughs> right, right. can't it be yeah, both? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess it could yeah. be both. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also like how the airplane that you referenced had art on it. I use air quotes for people that can't see it, and they were like, "Oh, I wanted to be an artist." Like, "Oh, that was the paper airplane. That was the worst. I could draw better than that." And I'm, I don't, I'm not an artist, so I was, I just, I really liked the fact that they just leaned into the the ridiculousness of everything, and like even something as quickly seen as the art, the artistic rendition of her that Richard did as just horrendous, and everybody seemed to think that it was fine art. And I, I just loved all of that. The only thing I wondered about the art is that because they did, she goes, is that a bug? And it was right after the scene where the bug goes, goes up the, the reporter's nostril. <laughs> and I wasn't, I, I, it was just something where I'm like, not sure what you're supposed to make of that. But <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. And then it was like, well, I'm not sure if that's a translation thing or whether it actually is supposed to be, be a direct uh, reference to it. I, I wasn't sure, but. That was the only thing I wondered about the the art. Yeah, the I, I actually looked up the bug thing. Apparently, that is a somewhat famous comic, and one of his skits is a bug went up my nose, and I do that. Like that's that's a thing he. So that's actually like a known skit in Japan. I guess. Okay, it's so it's like not. It's, it's unlikely to be related. Then. Okay. Yeah, it's like they're who's on first. I guess this guy pretending there's a bug in his nose. Um, how about the karaoke singing? The, the karaoke singing was fine. And that was a, that was a little better because there was actually a concept there, right? There was like this kind of silly thing, like everybody knows karaoke and there's a reference here. Just so much of the musical numbers though are just not that. I mean, there's, a, there's like 13 musical numbers and I, I remember none of the, like literally no melody I can, I can sing. And also the staging isn't, Great. It's awful. All of a sudden, they yeah. strike a pose, and then they're and in sing yeah. mode. But the sets don't change from from the most. Tom, part. what did what did you say about the choreography? 
I don't. What did you I say? You told me. You told me you thought it was the only professional choreography you've ever seen oh. that you could do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I, I was talking to Pat offline about that. I'm like, yeah, I, I think this is the only choreography where I, I have the dancers beat, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, and I know, and I know it's a little child, but I also loved that the little girl did nothing that they were doing and was clearly trying. <laughs> it was like kind of moving with them, and I'm like, yeah, I know, and she's like, whatever, probably three or four, but. It was hilarious that I'm like she's not even close <laughs> yeah and it's odd because the movie is so wacky you think like well now we have choreography which is an excuse to be even wackier and that was when the movie was like the most toned down if anything um, yeah it was like they with didn't the care. exception of Richard flying and the dancing <laughs> yes <song>. yes, yes. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough <laughs> which were the best musical numbers which mm -hmm. were the best ones mm -hmm. yeah I I, I like the karaoke too I thought that was I, I also liked it. I think it went on for a little too long, but maybe that yeah. was part of the joke too is karaoke goes on for a little too long. Yeah. it's The musical numbers were really short too. I, right. Did we yes. get a complete song? Maybe just that karaoke one. Yeah. yeah I don't think so. Uh, yeah. I mean, and there's some references. Like there's clearly Sound of Music references going on here. Um that type of thing but outside of that i, I didn't really catch but uh, even that the the references were mostly visual it, yeah. Wa yeah, it yeah. wasn't like oh i identify this song mm -hmm. it's very similar to how do you solve a problem like maria like there was nothing mm -hmm. there was no it wasn't in the style of you know any particular uh, song, yeah, song. yeah. Mm -hmm. it's time for question four what does the creature in the beginning of the film take from the girl yeah, locked, locked in. Locked in. All right, this time everybody together. Yes, I thought it was pronounced Alva, but I guess it's no, Uvia. That's, Uvia. That's, a yeah. that's a different thing. Yeah, is it? Um, uh, it's close. Yeah, no, Uvula. Yeah, it's the. Um, we don't really. Uvula. I thought it was Uvula. I always said Uvula. Yeah, I've said Uvula. I've oh, heard, okay. yeah, I think it's Uvula, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's we don't use it very often. It's for like French R's and things like that. It's a vocal vocalizing thing. Well, it's it's a it actually closes your nasal cavity when you swallow. Like that's why it's oh, actually it? there. Oh, it's why it's why you're not supposed to be able to get milk and soda into your nose. But if you laugh and you push air past it, it, it will go the wrong way. But it's oh, wow. it, it basically goes back and forth and closes your nasal cavity. There's some anatomy for it. Oh, so it's like a check. I was going to say none of us here are biologists, but apparently I was wrong. <laughs> I unfortunately am. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I thought it was just something for for articulation, but there we go. So, what do you guys think about the comedy in this movie? Right, other movies we've we've done on the show is House. Uh, we've done Tom Popo. We've done a bunch of um, American eighties and nineties comedies. But how do you think the the jokes and the comedy held up in this movie compared to? movies at large this this that's the reason i watched this movie and enjoyed it as much as i did i don't think i would have liked it as much or gotten through it as quickly or as happily as i did without the just craziness that was that opening scene as well as all the other nonsense that kind of jumped around throughout throughout it i i don't think it was a very well shot movie and then we've talked multiple times about how it's a lot of the the the, the ideas laid flat or didn't even come across at all and the comedy is really what kind of pulled me from the beginning and all the way through to the end, just waiting for that next claymation scene or waiting for that next ridiculous thing to happen that was going to make me smile and laugh. 
Uh, and at the end of the time, I did. At the end of the day, I did like the movie for like the end scene and how it kind of wrapped up. But it was the comedy that really got me from beginning to end in the two hours. I, I did like the comedy of it because um, you know obviously yeah we haven't we haven't I don't think I've done a ton of comedies other than like we're not going to count Gold Rush um, because Charlie Chapman with potatoes doesn't land very well anymore. <laughs> but um, I. I think I thought Michael Hahn was. Oh, oh, is it Michael Hahn? Um, <laughs> yes. I thought Michael Hahn was. I thought that was funnier. But I did like this movie. But I thought that was actually a funnier movie. The thing is, is that like, I agree with Tom. One of my favorite moments is the, is the girl with the recorder, because um, I just thought that was like the little boy coughing, and and that you know it does a good job of sort of sort of undercutting your expectations as you sort of go along but again it again it almost gets like well now i know you're not going to do what i expected you to do because you already haven't done what i expected you to do. so it, it 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 has this sort of meta folding in on itself of insanities that that i think if you cut 20 minutes from it i actually think it would be a better film i don't dislike it i think that the and the, most of the things that are supposed to be funny are funny but it does get a little bit towards the end. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I, I know yeah. it. Um, I sort of knew, not knew what was going to happen, but even like the volcano exploding at the end, it almost felt anticlimactic because it was so absurd up to that point that this thing was like, oh, that's what that was. I thought they were blasting for the road, that that was what the rumbles were. Like, I didn't even know. And I was like, oh, I didn't even really care. At that point. You know, it, was, it just felt like it was too over the top by that point. So I did like the comedy. I think it was funny. Um, I just think it went on 20 minutes too long. Yeah, there's like an event horizon of absurdity that if you shove too much absurdity in, like there's no way out. It just becomes too self-involved to to communicate in an effective way. And yeah, I, I had that that kind of same response you did, Pat. There was, I, I think I also found the sad family that was looking for a cord to be the funniest thing in the movie by far. <laughs> just, Especially like, since the cord was a belt for his pants. Yeah, it which was just, in itself sad. Yeah. Like, it, it just like that had the sad folding into sad, and it was yeah. just funny. And the fact that the family turned out to be perfectly safe also made it all, all the better. Um, it's also the one scene that's like really like the beats in it are really well directed. It's like he coughs, then she takes the flute, they walk a few paces, she asks for the chord, the grandfather comes into the frame, they all grab their throat and say, you mean a chord? Like it's it's what you, you realize what is missing from a lot of the scenes is in that scene, which is like kind of simple directing 101 beat work. Like we're gonna do this and then this and this. And th it seems like this director gets a lot out of um gets a lot out of like this kind of maximal thing which you saw a little bit in house for anybody who's seen seen that movie houses it's not a comedy quite in the way this is it's just a, a maximal kind of thing it's as much stuff you can throw on the screen in any shot as possible as what's going on in house and it seems like they're going for that a little bit here um but it it doesn't have it doesn't quite have houses. I don't. How would you say, KJ? Like zaniness, or it doesn't have its energy, or its um. It it doesn't have its energy or its like disregard for the audience. This movie is still a little 
a little soft in that regard. Um, and like you said, Pat, like it does seem incredibly anticlimactic by the by the time we get to that final claymation sequence. A lot of the comedy, a lot of the movie, the songs even, it feels like the first draft. And this was the director's seventh movie in 2001. And I'm not familiar with the director, so maybe he makes, you know, brilliant movies. But this this all felt like there, there's something here. If they had done a few more drafts, it may have greatly improved it or it may have ruined it too, right? Like maybe part of the reason it was enjoyable is because this was the first draft of all. Was this was this possibly created as like a two like a two a.m. HBO like J- Japan HBO made for TV movie? Like is that what we're looking at? Like that's why this guy's making no. So this was this was well received. Uh, it was <laughs> it made money and it was also released in British and American theaters. So this is part of a um, they call it I think Extreme Asian was the 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 release uh, that kind of moved this what was becoming a kind of Asian horror film genre from Asian cinemas over here, over into America and into English speaking areas, which like The Ring ended up becoming the more famous version uh, of that. But this movie was at kind of at the beginning of this. So this movie actually was um, uh, kind of well known. And part of it was the director was pretty much a celebrity and kind of known as an auteur at this point. Like you said, KJ, it's the seventh movie and he, his other movies are very well regarded. I'm not familiar with them. I think Audition is his most famous. Uh, seventh movie in 2001. This was like his oh. 60th movie. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, wow. That's, that is a lot of work. Uh, yeah. But it, he was kind of like a celebrity by this point. I was getting like some severe Evil Dead Army of Darkness vibes from this, especially with like the mood, like the deer on the wall. I was waiting for the deer on the wall to start talking, Evil Dead Two style. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really feel like I know those movies came out in the '80s and '90s, so maybe, maybe there's some 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 fall over here. But I really feel like there was a lot of connection to those. I got Evil Dead Two vibes, but I also got Troll Two vibes. Like it, it's <laughs> like please, is no one is anyone here seen Troll Two? Unfortunately, I've heard of it. I have seen parts of it. Troll Two is where they are vegetarian, so they have to turn the people into they're vegetarian trolls. They have have... to turn the people to vegetables before they go. Like, why even add that detail? (laughs) Yeah, that's. But there's there's a there's a great Mm. line, and I had a T-shirt of this for for quite some time. Um, where the dad, and this is just what it reminded me of, is where the dad is like trying to get the family, and his whole thing is like, I want the family to go out on vacation. They go out to the countryside. And the dad says, like, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a vacation. Food, farming, fun. And it sort of has, like, that, so that the food, farming, fun is just such a ridiculous line. And it struck me as a line that could have come out of this movie. Now, obviously, the difference is Troll 2 is totally trying to do it straight. And this movie knows that such a line would be stupid. So, but it has that sort of Troll 2 vibe as well as an Evil Dead 2 vibe, I thought. And for those that are interested, Troll 2 is available on Tubi as we speak. <laughs> Make it a double feature with... <laughs> You've got to watch Troll 2. I mean, it, it's on YouTube, guys. You can just you flip it on. Yeah. Right, so we have a two-way tie. So I think we're going to a bonus question. Oh, you have a bonus question. I do have a bonus question. Oh, and no. It's going to be worth 18 points. All right. So pack and play too, so anybody can win. So anybody can it's, win. You know what you should do to make sure that there is no tie is that it's worth... 
five points to the first person who gets it right and like one person uh, points to the person who doesn't get it right so whoever there's an incentive to ring in first this better not be a timestamp question i'm calling bullshit. Uh, in this one hour okay so here's how this is gonna work points wise okay for tom and chris if they get it wrong they lose two points but pat can't lose any points okay so won't if, that just leave us with a three-way tie and if everybody gets it right pat gets two extra points so we're either going to have one winner or three is what I'm trying to get to. Here oh, we go. Okay. <laughs> it's time for a bonus question. What did it say on the chairs in the dining room? Oh, no. And while our co-hosts are thinking about this, audience, I, I've been nervous that we're, we're watching these movies and we're, we're looking at these details and we're not enjoying the movie because our uh. questions are getting more and more specific. So I've been, I've been oh, I tried to take God. a step back tonight. So that's why this didn't make it into the into terrible the idea. Why yeah. would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I was writing down the slogans that were on the Suns T-shirts. Like, I did too. <laughs> 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 what What was the first slogan? Was it "Yes, I'm here"? One. It was backwards. Yeah, that, that's what it said. I, I oh. didn't. I didn't get it. Yeah, it was "Yes, I'm here." One, and it was mm. backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And it was backwards because there was other text in the frame. That was mm. the correct way. It wasn't like they had just flipped that frame for some strange reason. Hmm. I can't remember. I remember picking out that detail and going, I should remember that. Um, and forgetting it was something with an R. Um, okay, I'm going to lock in. I think it's wrong, but I'm going to lock in. Wrong starts with a W, Tom. I I'm going to lock in with absolutely no guess whatsoever. Hmm. How about you, Pat? You locking in? I, I got nothing, bro. All right, Tom, for the win, or it's a three-way tie. I, I want to say relax. It was rustic. Rustic! I knew it was an R. That was my, oh. was my word from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I knew oh, it was an R. I knew that. it was an R, and I knew it was in English. So. All right, Chris and Tom lose two points, making tonight the three-way tie. Second time in Talking <laughs> Pictures Trivia history. Yay! How exciting. <laughs> what was the first one? Uh, we did a movie called Bill's Folly, and somehow it all worked mm. out to a three-way tie. It's time for Movie Rand. There were, two, there were two things we didn't get to talk about, which I wanted, which was number one, which I loved, is in the final sequence when they show like their idyllic version. There's these elephants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, I'm sorry, was too funny. Yeah. I loved the, the, the Japanese version of Paradise as elephants. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. Mm. But I also just loved when we talked again with the family of four, where the four of them just show up and they go, what are you digging a hole for? And they go, <laughs> but I love to go, it's for the garbage. And I go, you live on a garbage dump. <laughs> they don't question it at all. <laughs> and they live on top of a garbage dump. <laughs> the yeah. ladies. The four ladies. Oh, yeah. We have to talk about the the. the... With the spiritualists, the spiritualists on their training, <laughs> their training mission, <laughs> training hike, <laughs> and they get scared. They get scared of an eclipse, right? That's what <laughs> nature. They're naturalists. They get scared of an eclipse. And they so, were at the they were at the soup death. They were at yeah. the table with the soup lady, mm -hmm. and then they show up at the at the the garden party. They show up at the the little uh, what do they call it? it? Was it was white lovers? 
hotel or something was that yep, what it was called yeah yep. they show up there and then death starts happening there but you never see them again mm. i was expecting to see them like a little bit more like, come back at the end like they're the reason that people are dying but nope they're just gone they're not, that's the last time you see them you see the lady cowering on the road <laughs> so rachel and i were hiking in japan and it it, it was a pretty tough hike, but this particular part of the, the hike was actually on this concrete I- incline going up to a shrine. I, other parts were in the forest and the woods, but this part. And it was long, and Rachel and I were, were, were stuck in wind. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. We were, and not those, I mean, it couldn't have been the same people, but a very similar group to that spiritual training came by and just blew right by us. And as they came by, they said, Kambate, like, keep going. You can do it. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, I got the, like, at first when I first saw them, I got the impression of, like, the witches from Macbeth. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I thought the weird sisters is exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I guess not, because in, in the... <laughs> There's no way that's accidental. Like, that's... that's There's too be... many of them, right? Isn't there, uh, isn't there only three There's only weird three, sisters? but I figured even yeah. if it's not a direct reference, this has to be, like, an international like kind of cultural... Yeah, 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 this, yeah is, this is just, like, this is a Jungian thing at this point. Yeah, like, this, yeah, is, I... this is too perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, just these... It was so good. Is yeah. there any symbology with four in Japanese culture? I don't know. Like, I don't like, like three holds a special, three holds a special place in like certain religions and certain, certain sects. Like the, is four a thing in Japan or is it that? It is actually, it is. And we're connecting some dots here. So four hmm. is associated with death because um, she is kind of four and sheen is death. So I've heard you can't buy like four teacups at a time because that would be really bad luck. So, so the four ladies there might actually is. mean something. That makes sense, yeah. Because mm-hmm. yep. oh, so I, I just assumed even if because I, I had the same thing. I thought, well, it's only four, but I thought this is this is, has to be like a like an international cultural thing of like four or whatever number of weird ladies traveling on the road by themselves, mm-hmm. some way portend that something is wrong. Like it just it has a Macbeth feel to it. It's like it it was just I loved it. It was such a great little sequence. It's also in the in the first one. It's one woman, and she comes and before any death happens, she comes to the hotel and just stands outside and screams at it, like kind of raises her fist and yells at, it and then just goes away. And then after that, the deaths start happening. So that seemed to be that's in that first one too. But yeah, that that I you know I I almost didn't think of that. I, I thought of the, the weird sisters. I'm still. Can somebody explain to me the claymation in the beginning, Chris? I appreciate your interpretation, but um, so it's like. A little, it's a well endowed uvula eating demon <laughs> baby. Um, who, and then it gets eaten by a bird. Yeah. And it hatches. Who, then it gets eaten by another bird. But after a teddy bear uses its eye to make an egg, which turns, no, it, it's eye to make a piece of garbage, which turns into an egg. Yeah, it turns into the, the raven's head turns into like a, a a piece of paper that crumples mm-hmm. up and turns into an egg that gets eaten by a snake that gets eaten by a bird it doesn't matter just take it just just take it all yeah. in let like take it and mm-hmm. enjoy because it is magic it is claymation magic i wish they did more of it and i was mm-hmm. i was enamored every time that the claymation came on the screen because it was awesome it reminded me of like some of the intro credits to late 80s early 90s movies right remember some of those credits for those movies had a very elaborate animations like a uh, christmas vacation has a whole thing so I, I didn't know if they were hearkening back to that um with the volcano and everything at the end or even the fall i'd assume they couldn't afford 
insurance special effects like the whole nine yards i thought this was maybe the a cheaper way to be able to fill in the, the gaps that animation they made. can't be cheap though i mean i guess they weren't doing like fantastic claymation but they can't mm-hmm. be cheap to do all that work that's true um i mean especially the the i i actually again i i thought the volcano thing was just kind of weak but the, you know the the volcano claymation sequence i thought was one of the weaker ones the fall one was great mm-hmm. i thought that one was quite quite fun with their their heads appear <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. real life heads appear to curse at each other because well, it's probably expensive to move the mouth so it was then cheaper to put the... i really liked in the last scene where the family turns to clay and the grandpa doesn't and he looks at the claymation he's like what's going on here why am i not clay yeah. yes they break the fourth wall there yep yeah that was by that was by far my my favorite thing and that opening how however ridiculous it was it blocked me in for the whole movie I, i've said it three times already but that was the whole reason i stayed through the whole two hours because it really like oh my goodness i'm on a ride this is this is not necessarily got to be a good movie it just has to be an experience and it didn't disappoint in that in that fashion i was a little worried the whole movie was going to be claymation yeah <laughs> i actually was a little worried i'm like oh this claymation is so creepy and it's fun for like five or ten minutes <laughs> it's not gonna work for an hour and 40 yeah. minutes i i will say i took a break at about the 50 or hour minute mark i th- this movie is very tiring um it's very very busy and i knew I, I like instead of watching it during lunch lunch was my break from it in, in to a certain extent <laughs> or breakfast i guess it was early morning um but yeah it was uh it it kind of tired me out and i think like to your point pat like the the kind of volcano scene in the end is is sort of weak and um I, I kind of hit that point maybe at the hour mark. Uh, I, I think what kind of brought me back a little bit was the, like the grandfather trying to turn himself in and the son getting cut and like doing a dying song. And everybody's like, it's <laughs> a little gash. What made me laugh there was everybody holds up their hand to show how small the gash is. <laughs> and, and he gets back up. Um, well, audience, I think you guys must be getting tired too. So I would like to once again congratulate everyone this week for being winners on the happiness of the katakori episode congratulations guys and i won as always yes. <laughs> yeah. there you go you can find more of our content wherever you listen to your podcasts or on our youtube channel twitter at talking studios and our website talkingpicturestrivia.com we are extremely grateful to all those who subscribe like follow and leave a review What's the biggest hole you've ever dug? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. Thanks again, Chris and Pat, for joining us today. Always a pleasure, and anytime that you want to do a really wacky Japanese horror comedy musical, (laughs) you call me because I will 100% be there. (laughs) We'll line them up. Thank you for having me. The next time you have a movie made before 1960, welcome me back. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see if I can find any Japanese musicals before 1960. You can find me on Twitter at ThomasLayman15. And you can find me on Twitter at KJ1000. Join us next time when we pick a movie from the New York Times 1000 list and discuss Nick's recommendation from 1950, All About Eve. Stay tuned for our first impressions of All About Eve. Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing All About Eve. Tom, how was your watch? 
It was good. I've seen this movie a lot since, God, I was a teenager in my 20s. I don't remember when I first saw it because not only have I seen it a number of times, I've seen like clips from it a lot. Um, and I really love this movie. I think this movie is hilarious. I have to say, I think my viewing this time was my least favorite just because um, I, I tend to not like the ending as much, or at least I didn't this, this time around. And where did I watch it? I watched it up in the Lake George Adirondack area on a nice television. And I actually had, you know, the, the cinematic experience, so to speak, as opposed to just normally when we watch it on our computers or our phones, if you're KJ. Um, but I really think this movie is, is very, very funny. It's very witty. And um, it reminds me a lot of college, just because there is this like theater family thing that's going on in it that relates really, really, really well to my college experience. So I think I saw this movie initially before I went to college or when I first started college, but watching it years later, I, it makes a lot more sense to me, the dynamic of that kind of found family thing that's going on there. Ragnar, how was your watch? You know, I had a similar experience to you, Tom, in that I've seen it a number of times and this most recent time was my least favorite. Um, but even on that kind of low point, it's still a great movie, undoubtedly. Uh, I think the 50s are, it's probably the greatest decade of film, in my opinion. And this one already feels like a 50s film, even though it's kind of like right after the 1940s. Uh, it just felt very smooth. It didn't have the kind of blocky acting. I know they talked fast and everything, but I think it was just very easy movie to watch, very engaging. And unlike you, I don't have any experiences that are similar to this. I don't have, I was never in theater or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, so it almost felt like seeing a world that I have never seen and would never have the chance to see. And it just was very, very engaging. I didn't think it was that funny, but uh, it was absolutely engaging. And I think this is Betty Davis's best film. Uh, what about you, Pat? What do you think of the movie? This was actually my my first time seeing it. I have I although I have a set of on Instagram of like movie clips that I've wanted to watch at some point. So I've been like saving them. It's like from like Turner Classic Movies on Instagram. So this is actually one of the movies that I've had saved on there, and I didn't even realize it until I started watching the movie. And they open with the um, the Alistair kind of doing his movie critic kind of commentary, and I went, "Oh, this is that movie that I saved that I really wanted to watch for a very similar reason to Tom actually because." he and I did theater together in college and it is, it is very, very accurate. Um, it is very, very accurate as to that is, that is how the theater works. Um, it's kind of scary and, and it's, it is very, very relatable. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about this one next week. It'll be fun. Larry, what did you think of it? Fellow reformed theater kid here as well to say that, uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, this was my first time watching it and, you know, Criterion movies especially have been on my watch list, a number of those films. And I always knew that this was a part of the collection. I knew that this was a classic. I knew of the conceit going in because I know about this film uh, from people who I've talked to in the past. So I feel like it was spoiled like a little bit, but really this movie is so much more than just the quote unquote twist, uh, if you want to put it that way. Um, 
I agree with with Tom. It is very funny. I love the witty banter of this era. Um, I think everybody in the cast is doing exceptional work. Um, I think it's a bit prolonged. I was checking my watch a couple of times, being like, "All right, uh, this plot is like we could. This scene could be three minutes shorter." Um, and I kept saying that with a lot of scenes. Uh, but it the story had this like epic feeling to it. I think like while I do think it was prolonged the amount of story made it feel sort of epic in scale. Like we were watching these characters and their lives intertwining in these really, really interesting ways. And it gives the movie a lot of depth, even beyond the sort of showbiz uh, fading star narrative that we see in a lot of films from this time. So um, I really enjoyed it and I'm really excited to get to talk about it. KJ, talk to me. Yeah, so I hadn't heard of All About Eve before. Well, I guess technically Nick recommended it, even though next week Tom will be doing the questions. Um, but I asked my wife, Rachel, I said, hey, you want to watch this movie with me? So we put it on, and the it starts with that scene where she's kind of getting an award, and Rachel grabs her computer, and she goes, oh, it was directed by that guy that was in that movie that was all about that guy. And I'm like, oh, she must be talking about Mank, the Netflix movie, because it kind of had a similar feel pace to it um but ragnar i know you said you didn't think it was very funny but the opening joke where he's like you don't need to hear what this actor's saying because actors just keep talking and talking and talking i was thinking oh tom but <laughs> right 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 off the bat i was i thought it was <laughs> pretty good um my wife left very like she didn't stay for the movie that wasn't uh what kind of movie she was looking for um but yeah i loved it um i think it might have been inspiration for game of thrones maybe we can talk about that next week i don't know that might be too far out there we'll see um but i loved it how about you nick hey guys i did it i just finished the movie while we were doing the first impressions <laughs> audience he's holding up it looks like a tablet that says the, the end. end which is the end of the movie <laughs> well, <laughs> i think our first I... impressions are going long <laughs> yes uh, we had plenty of guests so i could finish those last few minutes i will say i was shocked how much i enjoyed this film i did not know anything about it which is what i prefer when I'm watching a movie. I did know that it was somewhat popular, but I, I had nothing spoiled before. One of the things that I really enjoyed about this film specifically is there are some gems within the dialogue. I'll save it for next week, or I'm sure we'll go into it, but I was amazed by some of the wit in the film, and I can't wait to talk about it next week. All About Eve is available on Swing at the time. What's Swing? Sling? Sling. Who has Sling? It, it was on Fubo yesterday, but I guess the month changed. Oh, okay. Now it's on okay. Sling. <laughs> has anyone heard of Sling? I, I have. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. It's a thing. Let right? me yeah, try that for again. Sure. It's a for thing. Sure. Yeah. All About Eve is available on Sling at the time of this recording, if you know what that is.